Kelly, congratulations on your 10th place this weekend in Wildflower. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like you really should congratulate me on not crying and quitting because I, I think that not crying and quitting is half the battle in a race. <laughs> so my congratulations stands for the 10th place. Thank you. I was like very stressed as I think some of our listeners are aware after not having raced for seven months and you kind of forget how rough racing is. Like, I don't know. I mean, you came back after like a long time off. It's, t- I don't know. I, my first race back of the year is always awful. Like it's always not good. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that in a way because that's why I liked racing back to back. Like right. I did Ironman back to back a week or two apart on a couple occasions. And the best thing about the second one is that you had the first one the week before. So you're like, there's something psychological there where you're like, Hey, I can do this. I know I could do it. I did it last week. We're good. Right. You're like, <laughs> whatever. It helps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And wildflower, have you ever done wildflower? I haven't, but I kind of wish I had when well, I was a pro. You still can, Sarah. You still can. I know. It's a race that there's like not an easy way to do it, right? It's, it's just miserable and steep and hot and sa- like sandy is what I was trying to say. Like you're running through the dirt. It's awful. And so I think everyone wants to quit. Like I wrote about this in the newsletter, but literally every person I talked to after the race, you're like, oh, and there was that part where I thought I was going to have to drop out. I thought I was getting like, I was getting dizzy. I was getting heat stroke. And every person goes, oh yeah, no. it's like the place everyone wants to quit. And I go to some pretty dark places in my head. I do this whole thing where I'm like, you are terrible. You suck. If you're spending this much time doing triathlon and you're just going to be this terrible, you might as well just quit the sport and do something else with your time. That's that's my. I used to think that one too. Yeah. Like I think that's maybe the particular pressures of a pro or of someone who's trying really hard but not winning. Right. It's probably that pressure of like I'm putting in this much time and effort and you know you're putting in as much time and effort as some people who are winning and you're not feeling good enough. I definitely can relate to that. So how did you pull yourself out of that? Like, do you had, do you have counterpoint good thoughts that came along and helped you out? <laughs> no, um, no, I like, <laughs> I need to work on my mental game. My mental game is weak right now because you do practice it. I feel like when you practice the mind games in training and in racing and you learn like how to think only about, you know, what are you going to drink at the next aid station? And you just think about that for like 10, right? Like that's, you do it like bit by bit, but I am out of practice. So literally like the only reason I kept going was, uh, Leslie who was in front of me was also going slow, right? Like we were going <laughs> the same speed and I was like, well, she hasn't dropped out. Well, <laughs> like, there's something, I mean, I've been in situations before where I'm convinced I'm the last place pro. Right. And then another pro goes by you. You're like, wait a second. I wasn't the last place pro. I believe but I was. Maybe I I'm am. not. No, no. You're like, maybe I'm not. Like, maybe I was wrong about this situation and it keeps you going. But okay, I'm going to give you one that kept me going the last couple years of my career. Okay. And that helped me win. Okay. okay, and okay. It's like, this is the secret. This is the secret. It's way oversimplified, but I'm going to give it to you. Okay. I used to start to tell myself because I used to fight off kind of like fluffy motivational crap. Yeah, I'm bad you know? at that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just like put that part of you aside that wants to fight off fluffy motivational stuff and listen to this one. So I used to tell myself that like my best effort is good enough for today, like whatever that is today. So there did end up being days when I actually won. My best effort was good enough to win. But there were like two of those in a whole career of 10 years. Right. And I kind of wish I had been able to think that earlier because definitely I found that motivating. Like whatever my best effort is in this moment is good enough 
and we're okay. <laughs> and it helped. There you go. See? Yeah, I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to practice. So next race, I'll just be like, just do your best. Do your best till you get to that aid station. That Do your best. We'll see. Coming up on the show, Kelly and I are going to talk about the old school, crazy, dumb races and what triathlon needs for the future. We may or may not agree on this. Um, (laughs) We're going to talk about the North American 70.3 championships and what that is and how to send us a voicemail. Also, why Kelly thinks that all the pro women got pregnant last year and the history of the treadmill. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So you've never been to Wildflower, so you don't really know the whole experience. They're actually officially calling it the Wildflower Experience now, but it's really, it's an experience. So I was there for almost four days and you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's no, so I finally got like one text message out to my husband after the race that was like, I'm alive. Like that's it. There's no reception. (laughs) There's nothing. So you're pretty much just camping and drinking and racing right and it's and everyone multiple people said this like on the awards podium both the winners said it that like this is what triathlon's about right there's something to this you know whole thing where a bunch of triathletes are going to get together in the woods somewhere and triathlon it up and i i was like up and like on the one hand yes it's really really fun on the other hand i was thinking about your whole argument that triathlon needs to grow up and stop being nostalgic because these kinds of events are great but they're like not replicable on a large scale like wildflower is awesome and only like you you kind of reach capacity at like eight thousand people there for the weekend and then that's it right like can you do that again like the next week like is that can you do it over and over like i don't think so yeah i tend to agree with you there yeah so this week on livefeisty.com i wrote an article about I forget what I called it. Triathlon is all grown up. I think I called it. I don't know. I think you said we need to grow up or we do time need to, to grow, grow up. up. It's time to grow up. So here's how I see it. Okay. It's like, I was thinking about this. Wildflower is like the Prince Harry of triathlon, right? So I like have no idea what that means. You don't Literally know what that means. <laughs> like, so you can't have the crazy drinking rule breaking, you know, Prince without having the monarchy. Like he, <laughs> it has his, his behavior and his persona has to be a counterpoint to like the proper rules and the way that things are you know so and i think that's the same way like if you take okay a i don't think that analogy be, works yeah i'm just gonna you throw don't? that out there now come on wildflower <laughs> the prince harry come on this is gonna be their um, new okay. slogan wildflower the prince harry of triathlon 
so, so in running, for example, right? Like you have, you have color runs or you have obstacle course racing that are like a deviation on like standard running. Right. And I suspect like if without running, without the popularized culture of running, that's been like building since the Mm seventies until it's only recent decline with the standardized distances, 5k, 10k, et cetera. Like without that kind of like strong parental quote unquote influence of those standardized distances, you can't have like the counterpoint, which is also important, but is like the wild and crazy aspect. So I think you're saying like, like there's nothing to rebel against if there isn't a thing to rebel against. That's part of what I'm saying. And I think that like, for example, Iron Man having the wrong distance for a bike course, just for example, just theoretically, if that happened, theoretically, (laughs) if that happened to happen, it can't be like, that can't be like the crazy, like that that can't be like a counterpoint. Like there are certain things in the sport that I, where I think we need to just do up our laces and go, this is who we are. We have a sprint distance. We have an Olympic. We have an Ironman. You're going to be able to count on those things in these ways. It's going to be safe. The distances are going to be standard, et cetera. But didn't that already happen? Like, wasn't that the 2000s? Because that was when we established set distances, when it became an Olympic sport, when you got like Ironman's massive proliferation growth, right? And that was when we got like very standard. And and that was also, right, like that hit a peak. And now it's, you know, participation's going down. Sure. No, I think you're right. I think we've been trying to standardize for a while, but if we fail on the standardization, like that's where I think my analogy slash allegory slash metaphor of of like (laughs) growing up is and being an adult comes to play. Cause it's like, if we keep trying to pretend like it's okay that we get these things wrong and I don't know who we is in this scenario. Like I think that's like, who is we makes all the decisions, but anyway, just bear with me. So I think we need to like double down on that stuff and be ready to be dependable on maybe there is like yeah because there is certification for road races and running Mm -hmm. and there's like a whole process like i talked to a guy one time who like i mean oh my god it's a whole process and so maybe there is like we do need like certified triathlon courses and i understand that it's hard to certify bike courses right but like you could come up with a standard deviation that's appropriate and then one that's not and everybody needs to know there are no rules we could just make up some fucking rules and then follow that right like for for standardization and certification but i do think there is there is like a divide like a what's the word a fork a fork in the road i'm like gesturing as if people can hear me on the podcast (laughs) that's happening because at the same time you're saying like we need these things we need to be like a real sport road racing is down in running road racing is down in cycling like the things that are up the things that are growing are like ultras that never have a set distance at all they're just like whatever distance the race director felt like and gravel racing which who even knows what the hell is going on with gravel right it's like all these crazy weird things so if we only worry about like you see what i'm saying here like that doesn't if we just standardize everything obviously that's not going to work right we need right, right. Yeah, this we is a both and situation. Completely... Like we need we need William and we need Harry. <laughs> this that's a terrible analogy. Terrible. Also, we're American. We don't care about your princes. You we have no idea what I'm you're talking, talking about. about. I'm like pretty sure he's getting married to that woman from the TV, and that's about it. That's what you know. Okay, so I, I think we need both and. So it's like the standardized races need to be needs to be really clear cut what they are, um, in order to create an identity, central identity. And then all those wild and crazy races that people are participating in that might help get more people into the sport or that are growing are also an important part of the sport. 
So I just don't think it's a one or the other kind of scenario. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if that's what, you know, if, if the powers that be listen to you. Okay. Speaking of standardization and whatever else, the North American 70.3 championships, whatever that means, um, also happened. Yeah. This past weekend. So what do you think about that? Like, do you think that St. George stands up as a, as a North American championship? championship? I, I mean, yeah, like obviously the people who want it are very, very good. Right. Lionel Sanders, uh, want it. Paula Finley want it. Like they're legit. Right. So I'm not saying they're not, but I also think it's bizarre. (laughs) My mom was asking me, how does something become the North American championship? And I was like, Iron Man just decides mom. And that's it. That is, that is the answer. They just, they just announce which race is the championship. And and we all say, okay. Right. Like it's a little, it's a little weird. And there's so many races at this point. I mean, I've, I like listed all the races that were this past weekend in the newsletter. It's hard to imagine that doesn't dilute the field in some ways. Cause I looked at the St. George results and it wasn't wildly more competitive or deeper than wildflower or than, you know, the like other races happening this weekend. So it's kind of like what makes that a championship? I mean, more money is what makes it a championship, I guess. Yeah, I think if we, if we, if we want to standardize a North American championship at any distance, you need to be offering more money, not just slightly more money, but like more money. <laughs> and then also same thing with Kona, same thing, but also you need to offer better coverage. Like you have to yeah. basically spotlight that race. I think in a way that's not being done right now. I think this gets down to the crux of the matter, which is that Ironman is not a governing body. Ironman is a uh, for-profit company. This is not me hating on Ironman. This is just a fact, right? So when we have things that are like, this is the championship or like, these are the rules. It's a little weird, right? It's a little like the, no other sport has a private, well, not no other, most other sports don't have a private company that operates as if it's a governing body, which is bizarre, right? Like that's bizarre. Like there really should be a 70.3 championship as declared by USA triathlon, right? Because, or, you know, I guess USA triathlon and Canada triathlon could get together or, and by the, oh yeah, or whatever, declare. right? Mm-hmm. Or, or by the, why am I losing the, the, the ITU? ITU. I was about to say ISU and I was like, that's not right. ITU. <laughs> the International Triathlon Union. Right. Like they could declare a championship for each. Somehow, like that's not how triathlon operates. And we all like accept that because we're all like, oh, of course it's not. Like they don't do long distance. But that's actually very weird. Right. That's not how any other sport operates. You know, I always remember, I think it was Brett Sutton made an argument about how for, he was arguing for more prize money in Kona about how they put a million dollars on fly fishing and like millions of people sit around and watch their TVs, like literally watch nothing happening until someone catches a fish. Sarah, a <laughs> lot TV. happens. Okay. It's all, <laughs> it's all in the, in the casting and the reeling. It's all the casting and the reeling. Okay. Point take, but you take my point that like, People say, oh, triathlon's boring to watch, but people will watch other quote unquote boring things if you put a lot of money on it. So I think that would definitely go a long way to legitimate it. I think we need an actual governing body that operates as an independent governing body and not as a company with first and foremost its profits and interests, because then its profits are always going to be at odds with the good of the sport. End of discussion. Good point. I'll take that point. If you have thoughts, Oh, we want your thoughts, people mail. at home. Yes. So Sarah says, I haven't done a good job explaining how to send a voicemail. Guys, this isn't complicated. I promise. You take your phone and you do like, just press record. You go to find a voice memo 
on your phone. Almost all phones have like a very simple, and you just press record, you just talk into your phone for like 30, 45 seconds. And then when you go to press save, it says share and you press share and you email it to us. And it's so easy. So easy. What is so, our email? I don't know what our email is actually. You could send it to me, Sarah with no H at livefeisty.com. There you go. So let us know what you think. But lots of people have been emailing you about the summit. Right. I am, like I told you earlier, I have received so many emails. It's actually been really, really encouraging to hear how many people are interested in our outspoken summit. It's a women in triathlon summit that we launched last week with Triathlete Magazine, and it's happening in early December in Tempe, Arizona. And there's my plug. And, and I've just been hearing from and talking to a lot of women in the sport who are saying, you know, it's kind of, it's long overdue and asking how they can be involved and all that kind of stuff. So anyone who has an email from me who hasn't heard back, it's because I thank you and I'm going to get to it. And I'm really encouraged by how much, uh, would you say excitement it's generated? So good. Yeah. People, people kept coming up to me at Wildflower and talking to me about about the podcast, about the newsletter, about Live Feisty. People were very excited. Also, right, they, yeah. they didn't have their phones to play on the internet. So that might've been why they were talking. That's probably why they were talking. There to was actually life. a lot of, a lot of hanging out, maybe slightly drunken talking after the race, like, cause you don't have anywhere to go. You don't have anything to do. And so you're all just like kind of bonding, right? I talked to a lot of the female pros this weekend and I have a theory, Sarah. Okay. Theory. Tell us your theory. So I may be, turns out, the only female pro still on hormonal birth control. Everyone's giving me shit about it because like given everything we've learned in the last few years about how like hormonal birth control affects performance, like, you know what I'm talking about. We've learned a lot in the last few Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everybody went off it, right? Like all like the female pro athletes out there, like have pretty much stopped using hormonal birth control. I tried to be fair and it didn't really do anything for me. I wasn't like way faster, but you know how everyone stopped using birth control about two or three years ago? And then you know how last year everyone accidentally got pregnant? <laughs> I'm just Are you gonna, relating? You're like I'm correlating relating, these two I'm things. I'm correlating these issues. I'm just saying I've talked the to a lot of are- these pro women and I, I'm putting them together. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to put out, a, I'm going to float a couple other things. Okay. Uh, my understanding was a lot of people moved from birth control pills to IUDs. Some, yes, was- a decent number of people did. So the intro because everyone it? keeps trying intra- to like talk, device. talk me into IUDs. And yes, yes. It's like, okay. So you thing. have to give that as a alternative birth control. Yeah. But it turns um, out, Sarah, I think a lot of people are just fingers crossing using the, using the hope and pray method. The hope and pray method is not a good method people, <laughs> um, but, but neither is a birth control pill. I mean, that thing used to make, used to like fuck with my moods. And make me feel depressed. And I know everyone I says like this. It. I know. I know. I listened to this for like three days this weekend. I know everyone says this. I went off for like four months to like see if I would feel better. And like, honestly, like, no, like it didn't. I, I noticed no difference. Like I actually felt somewhat worse off it than on it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I like I, mm-hmm. I don't I everyone's different and special and unique, Sarah. OK, it's true. No hormone stuff, <laughs> especially people are very different. So. I'll give you that point. I'm not sure about, I, I think we need a more complete study to make your correlation accurate, but uh, I'm, I'm open to the idea that, that that was a factor. And I'm just saying like if birth control affects your performance, you know what affects your performance more? <laughs> Having a baby. All right. <laughs> okay. So stay tuned after the credits because Kelly's going to tell us a bit about the history of the treadmill, which was apparently 
from prisons. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at askickerincinkwithak.com and Crave Jerky, Crave with a K. Com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so I run a lot on the treadmill. Not because I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. I, I do it because my coach tells me to. That I don't know why else. But I'm not surprised to find out that it was originally developed as like a punishment device in English prisons. And it was like, it was like this massive wheel. Like think of an actual mill, like, and and they would walk uh on it and it would actually mill. Like a hamster wheel? Like corn or pump water. Like as if like a giant one, super long. And then, and then, and then the prisoners were talking too much. So then they put up walls in between them so they couldn't talk to each other because it was supposed to be like miserable. It was like, you have to walk on this thing for 10 hours a day because you're in prison and you're supposed to be miserable. So they turned it into a way to create energy? Like as if you're like on your turbo trainer and you're using your and you're making your blender go or something? Yeah. I mean, it was mostly just for punishment, but then they realized they could also like it also turned. They could also use it to ground corn, apparently. I have also heard of coaches who put who send their athletes to like a tiny room with a treadmill in it that faces the wall. Yeah. Where they're like building mental toughness. I, I don't know what I think about that theory. What do you think? Uh, I keep worrying that Hillary is going to make me do that, but <laughs> I don't think it would go. It would be terrible. Well, I guess it's not surprising that treadmills were invented in prisons. Um, do but you- I, I don't know. Like, I like it because for different reasons, like I'm not in prison, so I kind of like it because I can watch TV. My yeah. brain can be active. I've got, I like it because it's so terrible and I, uh, and you have to make a conscious choice basically to press stop. If you're like going, you can't just like fall off the pace, right? If I'm on the track, sometimes I'm like, Oh, oops, didn't hit that interval. But on the uh, treadmill, you either fall off the treadmill or you don't like, there's no, you know what I'm saying? There's no in between. Does that make sense? So if I get through it, then I'm like, Oh, Hey, I can do that. Look at that. Right. So like what you're saying is like in the old British prisons, they didn't have sort of go swift, go swift, sorry, go swift on their treadmill workouts and they couldn't choose their speed. No. Well, I'm all, well, yes. But I'm also saying even now, Sarah, when you are running on the treadmill, like you have to go whatever pace the treadmill is going, right? You can't decide you're going to run a different speed than the treadmill. Yeah. That's why it's a useful tool. Exactly. Set it up to the pace you want to run and go. Exactly. Our podcast partner, Crave Jerky, is hosting a Find Your Fit contest from now through June 2018. All you have to do is post a selfie while working out. That should be easy for our listeners. And you could win $300 in gift cards from Flywheel, 
ClassPass or Gayam Yoga, and of course, Crave product. Use hashtag CraveBetter and hashtag SweepstatesEntry. One caveat though, you must be a US resident, 18 years or older to enter. Also, hashtag LiveFeisty so we can see your entry too. Details will be posted in the show notes for this podcast on livefeisty.com.